Pete Crow Armstrong is set to debut today for the Cubs. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So the Chicago Cubs have done what we thought they were going to do uh, when September started. They have called up top prospect Pete Crow Armstrong, the outfielder, and he should make his debut today uh, in Chicago, or uh, technically in Colorado. And it's really interesting, okay? So Pete Crow Armstrong was drafted by the Mets, and he was the compensation when the Mets went and traded for Javi Baez. And here's an interesting little fun thing. So PCA is going to debut, the Cubs are in Colorado. In 2014, Javi Baez made his debut in Colorado and hit a home run. Not guaranteeing a PCA home run, but just thought that was interesting. Also, side note, uh, Baez went one for six in that game with the home run because they went to 12 innings. 167 batting average feels like it's appropriate for Javi Baez. But what PCA has done this year has been very impressive. So I'm going to break the stats between AA and AAA simply because it's different offensive environments. He was in the AA Southern League. You remember us talking numerous times in the past about those baseballs, those tacky baseballs, and how it gave so much of an advantage to pitchers in the Southern League that it depressed offensive numbers. So despite playing for most of the year with those tacky baseballs, PCA went 289, 371, 527 with Tennessee. 14 home runs, 38 extra base hits in 73 games, 31 walks to 82 strikeouts, and 27 of 35 on stolen bases. Yes, there is more than one strikeout per game in there, and PCA played every day. This is not like a thing where he he went into the game in the 8th or the ninth or defense or something like that. They don't really do that in the in double A. This is he played almost every day. And I think when you look at the AAA numbers and some of the advanced stats behind that, you can see more about who PCA is as a player. So he goes up to AAA, and the numbers come down a little bit. 34 games, so smaller sample size, but 271, 350, 479. 18 points in batting average, 21 points in on base, and then he really takes the hit just under 40 points in slugging. He has six home runs and 15 extra base hits in those 34 games. So it's lower pace on home runs, 15 walks to 47 strikeouts, and 10 to 12 on stolen bases. The strikeout issues are still there. And because it's AAA and we have AAA stat cast, we can pull some of the advanced numbers and the advanced stuff and kind of see okay, what was PCA doing in AAA? that caused the strikeout numbers. We don't directly have that for AA, or at least not publicly, but we have that for AAA. So uh, a couple things here I noticed. One, oh, let's go with the positive first. Let's, let's back up on that. 
Uh, I think his power potential is above average. And when you look at his average and his 90th percentile exit velos, it backs that up. Average exit velo, 88.9%. 90th percentile exit velo, 103.2. When a guy's over 100 miles an hour on the 90th percentile, you feel okay that they're going to have at least average to above average power, right? He's right there close to 90 miles an hour on the average exit velo. Again, 90th percentile, just over 100. You feel okay with that. Uh, 42% ground ball, 21% line drive, 29% uh, fly ball. But when you dig into the advanced numbers and you see what Pete Crow Armstrong did as far as chase and what types of pitches he was chasing, that's why it gives me a little bit of pause about how he might perform immediately in his debut and in the first couple, like the, the first few weeks of the, of the season that he's going to get in the regular season, okay? In AAA, so granted, this is 34 games. It's a smaller sample size, but again, this is not publicly available for AA. He chased 37.3% of the time. Yes, that is high. His overall contact rate, because he chased that much, his overall contra- contact rate is 69%. We always make the joke it's a nice number. In this case, you'd like it to be higher. But the more concerning number to me is his contact rate in the zone. So when it is a pitch that is a strike, it is in the zone. Pete Crow Armstrong's contact rate is 78%. Obviously, you like that to be in the 80s. When a guy is in the 90s, that's one of those like he has incredible contact ability. You'd feel more comfortable if that was at least in the 80s. Now, it can get better because this is obviously his first month in AAA. There's an adjustment period. You're facing usually more advanced pitchers because rather than facing a lot of just prospects, you're facing former big leaguers who are trying to get back, guys who know all the tips and tricks. And that goes back into our conversation about the point of AA versus AAA. AA is about making you the player and the skills, the inherent skills that you have making you a better player. AAA is about getting you ready for the bigs from a a standpoint of how do you produce. So, But when you break down some of that chase number, that 37.3% chase, and you look and see what he's chasing, that's where you see some issues. Fastballs, it comes down to 31.7%. Not a huge deal. Off-speed, 44.9%. 44.9%. The only they don't break that up or anything other than changeups. So we'll just say changeups. He chases 30 he chases 44.9%. Breaking balls, they have him at 44%. And that is something that you can break out. You can break out curveballs from sliders and things like that. And that's where you get into some issue here. The slider chase rate for Pete Crow Armstrong in AAA and small sample size, but the chase rate is 51.9%. If you throw him two back-to-back sliders that are down and away and off the plate for a ball, odds are he will swing at least at one of them. And if this is information that I can find, I guarantee you Major League teams already have this. So when he comes up to bat, if Colorado has done any sort of advanced research whatsoever, I would expect them to throw him a lot of sliders, and a lot of change-ups because, he, again, he does chase change-ups 37.1% of the time. And then also his ground ball rate on change-ups is like 83%. He has not hit a change-up into the air 
that for a fair ball in his time in AAA. I think defensively, Pete Crow Armstrong, obviously we've talked about this, he is the best defensive outfielder in the minor leagues. The arm is above average, the speed is plus, again, defense is 80 grade. I'm a little worried that they're not going, they're going to have him play a corner. He's played eight games in left and six games in right this year. And in those 14 games, he had three errors because he is a true center fielder. And I had this conversation when we did the Cubs show about how do you mix Cody Bellinger and PCA. I think in this scenario, PCA needs to be in center because that is what he is used to playing. He has such little exposure this year to the corners that you need to let him play center, even though you may think corner outfield is easier. He's just not as familiar with it. So uh, I look for him to, I think he absolutely has the tools to be successful. And maybe this is just small sample size flukes and he comes up and he rakes. I don't know. But if he struggles, when he comes up starting tonight at Colorado, be on the lookout for, is he having trouble with sliders and changeups? In just a minute, there's been a c- couple other top prospects promoted to either the bigs or to AAA, and we'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. And so that's why you need to use the Game Time app. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever it might be near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets and they have the best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing about trying to get your tickets and just stay hyped and excited for the fun you're going to have. So. Uh, it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. This game time guarantee means you'll always get the best prize. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions do apply, but again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. But Pete Armstrong is not the only top outfielder to get promoted to the bigs. Uh, we recorded Friday's show on Thursday, and as soon as we recorded it, talking about Jordan Lawler and stuff like that, the news broke that Evan Carter was getting promoted to the major leagues. And so at time of recording, he has played in three games in Texas. He started two, was a defensive replacement in the third one, I think he's played right twice and he's played left. And he's one for five with an RBI and a stolen base, two walks to three strikeouts. But for Evan Carter, the big thing here that I've been very impressed with is if you watch, his on-base percentage is absolutely absurd, right? 97 games in double A. I'm throwing out the week he was in triple A. It was very small sample size. 97 games in double A this year. 284, 411, 451, 12 home runs. 33 extra base hits, 74 walks to 103 strikeouts, and 22 of 32 on stolen bases. Uh, defensively, he's a plus defender. He's not PCA level. Nobody is. But Evan Carter is absolutely a plus defender in center field with good speed and needs to be out there. I think the big questions for Evan Carter, uh, long-term and short-term, right? The long-term question is how much power does Evan Carter 
have in his game? Like, where does his, where is his power ceiling going to end up? And I just, I don't think we know. He's been a guy where we've been waiting to see how, when it would develop and where it would come to. And he's been behind pace on where we expected that def- expected that power to show up. We were expecting to see it and expecting to see it and expecting to see it. And it just, it's taken forever to manifest and still not sure uh, where that's going to be. And I'm not sure how much physical projection and how much ability to add muscle to generate more power that he has as well. Uh, but either way, even if he doesn't crush 20-something home runs, he's still going to be a plus defender in center field for Texas when they let him play. And he's going to give them uh, good at-bats, good on base. He's already walked twice and when officially technically seven at-bats. Or seven at-bats, five plate appearances, however that works. But long-term, where is the power ceiling? The short-term question is how much is he going to get to play? The whole reason he got called up is because you lost an outfielder. But there again, he was up for three games. They started him for two, neither one of those in center field. And he got in as a defensive replacement in a corner in the third game. Evan Carter is more valuable to you as a center fielder than he is as a right or left fielder. I understand if you want to put him in for defense, fine, whatever. And I understand the Rangers are desperately trying to get back into the playoff conversation. They've had a rough go of it after the trade deadline. But if you have Evan Carter up and he's not going to hit 130 at-bats, he's not going to hit 45 days of service time, so he'll still be a prospect. But you need to get him into the game almost every day so that you can see what he struggles with when he strikes out. Why is he striking out so that you can turn around and get that fixed in the offseason so that you can have a starting center fielder all year next year in Evan Carter. A couple other promotions. Left-hand pitcher Mason Montgomery went from double-A to triple-A. Pitcher for the Rays, one of their top pitching prospects. Uh, sixth rounder in 2021 out of Texas Tech and had 25 starts in double A this year. Five and four with a 4.18 ERA and 172 thirds innings. 131 strikeouts, so 11 strikeouts per nine, to 49 walks, 4.1 per nine, 18 home runs allowed. He's in a really weird situation, is Mason Montgomery, because the it, like, coming into the year, he was seen as a guy that had a really good fastball. And nothing else that was great. And the fastball was amazing, right? He It sat low to mid-90s. He could run it up to 97. He could take stuff off of it and get it down to 90. He could manipulate, adding some cut or run to it. But it had really good carry up in the zone. Really, that flat vertical approach angle into the zone was really tough for hitters to pick up on. And then again, he could move it around. And then he could spot it, really. A lot of the scouting reports this year... The looks at Mason Montgomery are that pitch, that fastball is not as good this year from a carry perspective as it was in the past. And I don't know how much of that was the tacky baseballs. Not every pitcher got better because of those tacky baseballs. And so it's entirely possible that he regressed a bit. They finally moved him, I swear, the day before I get ready to call a week's worth of games. In Double A Montgomery, they move him to Triple A Durham, and uh, the team wasn't expecting that. Their game notes were changed to a TBD for the starter on Wednesday because they were expecting to have him in that slot, and so he goes to Triple A, 
has a pretty good first AAA start. Five innings pitch, two hits, one run. It was earned. Two walks, three strikeouts. That one run was a Eric Gonzalez solo shot. And I'm going to tell you the scenario because it's relevant to the rest of Mason Montgomery's arsenal. One-two count. There was two outs. He threw a changeup on the outer third. And it got taken the opposite way for a line drive home run. And that's the issue with Mason Montgomery is the slider sits in the mid 80s. He can spot it well. The movement profile isn't anything fantastic, but he can locate it well. And so he can get you, he can induce a chase. If you think a fastball is going to be uh, down and then the slider drops below it, you're going to swing and miss. And then he's got to change up in the low 80s, different velocity band, but it's not very good at all. And when he throws it, he's really counting on chase because when it lands for a strike, or when it is a strike, like this case, it gets rocked. And that that start was the microcosm of Mason Montgomery. The face, the fastball did look better because he's using the Major League Baseball ball. He doesn't have that weird double A ball. The slider got swings and misses, but the changeup got rocked. And so now the question is like, what do they do? You have you probably have two more starts with him because of the way the schedule breaks out before the end of the season in AAA. And a little bit of time, he'll probably start next year back in AAA, but at what point is he going to be ready to come to the bigs? You need answers on this fastball. Hopefully he can give it to you over the next couple of games. The guy that I am going to just miss, they announced on Sunday night or on Monday that shortstop Carson Williams is moving to AA Montgomery. They have a one week left in the AA season. I'm going to get to that in just a second in the third segment, talking about timing of the postseason in the minors and how it impacts prospects and prospects who have moved because they're not part of the postseason. But eventually I see the way this working out, the left side of the infield working out in Tampa is Carson Williams as your starting shortstop. He is a fantastic defender. He's your starting shortstop, Junior Caminero, who hit a home run on Sunday. I did the home run call, so I'm excited about that, with him being the starting third baseman. I see that eventually working out. We get to see those two guys play side-by-side for a week, plus potentially more. Montgomery has a a game-and-a-half lead in the South Division of the Southern League uh, before the postseason, so if they hold that lead, they're facing off against a team who's in second place. If they hold that lead, they'll then get some playoff games as well, up to potentially six playoff games. In just a minute, let's talk about the playoffs in the low minors and how teams that aren't in the postseason have already started promoting some prospects. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now. You've got studs like Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani. Eventually, he'll be back in the lineup. You pick more or less on the stats for those stars. Home runs, hits, strikeouts, things like that for up to a 100 times your payout on Sleeper. If you get your picks right, you can win big. So use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Now, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details, but they're currently operational in over 30 states. So check out Sleeper today. Okay, so the low miners have already started the postseason. 
their se- their regular season wrapped up on Sunday. And so some teams have their prospects still playing and other teams have promoted guys because those prospects no longer have seasons. So the Florida State League is Cardinals versus Marlins and then Phillies versus Tigers. Those are the two semifinals. The winners of those will play a series to see who's the winner. Carolina League, Brewers versus Orioles, Cubs versus Rays. That's single A. Uh, and then California League, Dodgers versus Angels, Giants versus A's. Believe it or not, the Oakland A's have a good team. It's just in single A Midland. In high A, the Midwest League is Twins versus Cardinals, Dodgers versus Padres. Those are the two parts of the bracket. The South Atlantic League, Red Sox versus Rangers, Yankees versus Phillies. And then in the Northwest, they only have six teams. So they do, they only have one postseason series. They do a best of five, and it's Blue Jays versus Mariners. That series begins today, and they'll have a winner there by, by the end of the week, whereas everybody else takes an, an extra day or so. But some teams that are not in the postseason have promoted some really good prospects to the bigs. So I came across a tweet from friend of the show, Chris Clegg of the Dynasty Dugout, and he had a WRC plus leaders in the minors for prospects 19 and under. And sixth on that list was Jet Williams of the New York Mets. Uh, shortstop and an outfielder, 2022 first rounder out of high school. He had 115 combined games in A-ball and high A at age 19, 266, 431, 461, 13 home runs, 42 extra base hits, 102 strikeouts, I'm sorry, 102 walks to 108 strikeouts, and 44 of 51 on stolen bases. So the WRC Plus was 150, and again, sixth highest for a prospect under the age of 20 who got at least 250 at-bats. The thing here, plus hit tool, you can tell that already. Great on base ability. The question I think that we've had since Jet Williams was drafted is what is his power ceiling going to be? He is 5'6", 175 pounds. And yes, we have seen guys at that size be power hitters at the major league level. Jose Altuve has hit plenty of home runs at 5'6". Dustin Pedroia hit plenty of home runs at 5'6". But it is very easy for us to remember the exceptions to the rule. And so that's been a big question is for Jet Williams, what is his power going to be? This season combined between A-ball and high A, his average exit velocity has been 87 miles an hour. So close to 90, you know, high 80s. The 90th percentile exit velo is 102. And that's all higher than we expected Jet Williams to be able to do from a 5-6 frame in his first year of a full year of professional baseball. And so he's a really interesting package now, plus speed. He's got an arm that's at least average. He's played, he plays shortstop four to five days a week. He's got 82 games there. He plays center field pretty much one day a week. He's got 19 starts there. And then every other week, he spends a day at DH instead of playing that fifth game at shortstop. He's got eight starts at, at, at DH. And you look at plus hitter, really good on base ability, and then potentially more power than we were expecting. 
We're going to get a week of him in double A because this is the final week of the double A season this week. Uh, we'll get a week of him in double A plus if he makes the postseason or not. We'll talk about double A's postseason next week to see what he can do. Uh, another guy who is above Jet Williams on that list is catcher Samuel Basalo of the Baltimore Orioles. He had a 159 WRC plus, and he just turned 19 in August. So he was 18 for almost the entire season. 2021 IFA was the biggest bonus getter from the Orioles and played 110 games divided between A ball and double A. And I believe it was like, it was almost, no. Yeah, 110 games between A ball and double A. 307, 398, 547. 20 home runs, 51 extra base hits. 60 walks to 93 strikeouts and 12 of 17 on stolen bases. He's listed a lot of places as catcher and first base, simply because oftentimes in the minors, your catcher does not catch every day. They'll DH, they'll play some first base. He played 66 games at catcher. He played 27 at first and he DH'd uh, 14 times. So he'd catch four days a week. He'd play first base once or twice a week. He'd DH either never or once a week, how that would shake out. The batted ball quality has been fantastic for Sam DeBasolo. The power is there. He's listed at 6'3", 180. He's got good long levers. He is a lefty hitter, lefty hitting catcher. That's obviously hard to find. Uh, he's a righty thrower, so he makes it work at first base. It's nothing awkward. It's fine. He does have his back to the runners coming, coming to the bag. But uh, it, he has raised the floor of the hit tool. He was seen coming into the year as a guy that was probably a 40 or 45 hit tool last year in complex. He went 279, 354, 24, which is good, but is not anything overpowering or dominating. And so the expectation was that he was probably going to be, the hit tool was a little bit lacking. He hit 299 in Delmarva. And then when he went to Aberdeen, he raised that to 333. It was only 27 games in Aberdeen, but 333, 444, 688. Eight home runs in 27 games, and now he gets now he gets a week in Bowie before the regular season ends, and then potentially the postseason. Even if he has to move off of catcher, which the arm is plus, I think defensively he can get to average. Even if he has to move off of catcher to first base, he's still going to be a valuable bat, and he's probably a top five catcher like in dynasty baseball at a prospects probably right now. Another catcher that was promoted, not as not on that WRC list list, but catcher and first baseman Moises Ballesteros of the Cubs. 112 games for Ballesteros in the lower minors, evenly divided. 56 in Myrtle Beach, 56 in South Bend. 288, 379, 460. 14 home runs, 41 extra base hits, 62 walks to 75 strikeouts, and 7-7 on stolen bases. Defensively, a little bit more of a work in progress than Basalo is. The arm is good. The pop time's really good. It's the mechanics of blocking to things like that. He did 76 games at catcher, 22 at first, 13 at DH. They want him to stick at catcher if they can. And he's the thing, again, left-handed hitter, above average hit tool, above average power, not exceptional in either, right? It's average to above average on both. We need to see him against better competition to know what he's going to be able to do. Has a really good batter's eye, walks plenty. Again, 62 walks in 112 games. We just, I'm excited to see him for a week in Double A Tennessee. I don't believe Double A Tennessee is a playoff team, 
I've tried to remember from looking at the standings all week. So I was focused on the South Division, not the North Division. But either way, Moises Ballesteros, another interesting promotion from, from the lower minors since his team is not a p- playoff team. Fantastic week this week. So a lot of more fun stuff coming up. If you have questions for the show for Monday's Mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us. We have a Discord. We have a subtext. Tons of ways to get them to us. In the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. <laughs>